I'm Kelvin Martin. And I'm Jason Bode. And you, you are now listening to Life on the Outside. on the outside podcast i'm your host kelvin martin and i'm jason boone yes sir you know as they say one is always better than two but in this case we are trying to get better with every episode so definitely this one's gonna be better than our last one especially since you know this episode we're gonna be interviewing jason you know and he gonna tell us why he think he lived his life on the outside it's gonna be exciting it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be full of energy. You know what it is. You know this is our first time actually going live face to face. This is crazy. That's it, man. It's such a different vibe out here. I love it though. <laughs> hey, man. I can't wait, man. It's gonna be fun. Uh, quick recap of the episode of our last episode. You know, basically it was Jason talking because he runs his mouth alive. All the time. All if the none time. of y'all knew him personally, <laughs> but it's great though. Um, but basically he was just talking about what life on the outside podcast was about and how it got started. And basically, this episode right here, episode two, where I'm going to be interviewing Jason, and he's definitely going to explain why he lives his life on the outside, and hopefully you'll see why. So yeah, um, we're going to start this thing off with a, a Q&A. That's how we do this podcast, which we consider to be called the starting five, you know, and we're not going to waste anybody's time here, so uh, we're going right to get right back into it. Sounds good. So uh, the first part we call scouting report. And, you know, many coaches always get these things wrong. <laughs> it's crazy that, you know, a coach could be like, yeah, man, this guy can't shoot. And all of a sudden, bro, this dude hit like three threes in your face and you're looking at the coach with a stupid look like, oh, I thought he couldn't shoot. <laughs> you <though."> said. <laughs> but, you know, the purpose of the scouting report, you know, just get tendencies and of the, you know, just a little basic information about, you know, what a player can or cannot do, you know on the basketball court, offensively or defensively. And, um, but today, you know, I'm, um, we're going to find out what society's going to report on you, Jason. Okay. You know, um, just, just a little information on, you know, um, you're African-American. African-American. Yep. Um, your age is, you know, about 40, right? <laughs> Not yet, man. 31. <laughs> yeah, if you say so, but it's ain't looking a lot older, but anyway, how tall are you? Uh, six foot six. With shoes on. I think I'm taller than you. Yeah, you might be, man. (laughs) Where are you from? I'm from New York City, man. Born and raised. Okay, up north. Uh NYJZ. What up? New York City, boss. Okay, all right. College degree? College degree, correct. Okay, what you majoring? Uh, Communication studies with a marketing for the mass media concentration. I still don't know what that means, but <laughs> I studied learned about the the news stations and media corporations and I don't even know. You know, every time you say this junk I just like kinda ignore it. I just don't even listen to it. Right. Like, what what, what is he talking what about? What is he talking about? <laughs> Are you married? Not married. Absolutely not. No. Nope. This no, is no. crazy, man. You know that biological 
clock is ticking, man. Hey, man, here's the thing about biological clocks. Um, <laughs> I don't have one because I'm a man, and men are like wine. We get better with age. Now there might be women who have biological clocks, but uh, I'm not worried about that at all. I feel you, man. Any kids? <laughs> no kids. No kids. They. Uh, I, I love kids. I love to hang out with kids, but when they start crying and using the bathroom and all that kind of stuff, <laughs> I like to say, hey, go to your mom or go to your dad. Hey, honestly, I've seen you with kids. You're like a great babysitter. Oh, the, the <laughs> bet would be the best uncle always, but ooh, dad, kids, kids are a lot of work, man. I have respect for anybody who can, who can raise kids. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's funny, yo. So, uh, Jason, tell us what uh, society portrays you as, you know, what they label you, what, what's on their scouting report. Okay, so I think for me, you you look at me and you say, okay, he's a he's a well built guy, six foot six, two forty, big muscles, good looks, fairly good looks. You know, they say they're genetic, but I think that uh, I, I work hard to to portray my best self out there. Um, but when you look at me, <clears throat> physical qualities that I have, I think you say, oh wow, that that guy, he he was born with good looks. That guy was born with um, nice, nice height. He's, he's a big guy, so he must be born with good genetics. Uh, when they find out that I went to New York University, got a degree in four years, I think they say, oh, he, he's smart too. You know, he, This guy is kind of tall, dark, and handsome, the, the, the full package. And I think I get that a lot compared to you know, other people that I'm around. And, and for me, it's, I'm not the kind of person who's bashful. Uh-huh. Um, I'm, I try to be very humble, but it, it, it definitely strokes your ego a little bit when you, when you're constantly hearing, Oh yeah, he, he, he's got it all. He, whatever it is, he has it. And, and I think that's just kind of how I've been labeled, um, for, you know, as, as, as far back as I can remember. Uh, like no homo, but when you say full package, let's just get this on the, let's just get this on the record clear, clear up. Uh, you're talking about the characteristics you have. You're talking about the characteristics, correct? So they, so <laughs> okay. they say if he if he combines his semi decent looks with his pretty above average smart brain with his basketball skill, oh, this this guy is just the, God's gift to the earth. And it, <laughs> in, in my eyes, I just could be more wrong, but we'll talk a little bit more about that in the next segment yeah yeah you know uh, that's right <laughs> well okay in the next part you know we call this uh the playbook and in, in basketball terms you know the playbook is basically about schemes and strategies coaches have you know offensively or defensively and you know sometimes coaches are focused so much on the scouting report and it's like you know like yo like what about us you know like right you know why we don't let them adjust to us exactly and sometimes coaches loses that. Then, you know, eventually we have that practice again. Like, guys, you know, you take a good L. And it's like, guys, you know, I think we just need to get back to us and focus, focus on, on us. us. And exactly. the players are like, yeah, we should have been doing that. <laughs> but whatever, man. That's another story for another day. <laughs> but, uh, you know, tell us how you see, how you view yourself and, you know, what makes you live your life on the outside. You know, what people don't know about you. Definitely. Um so for me, man, as I was thinking about how to answer this question, it's always been about balance. And I can look at this from the perspective of a basketball player and say that every basketball player I know wants you to believe that they are the hardest worker. They want you to believe that they're the first guy in the gym, the last guy to leave. And the truth of the matter is that you can't be on every team Every player can't be the first guy in the gym and the last guy to leave. So 
it's about, in my eyes, it's about how efficiently you work when you are working and not necessarily how long you work, mm. how hard you work. You have to be efficient in what you're doing to, to get the most out of what you're trying to do. So I'm going to look at how I live my life differently than others by focusing on the efficiency that I try to live my life with. Okay. And for me, it comes from a place of taking it back to high school, man. Honestly, if I think back to my junior year of high school, 2001, a lot of stuff going on in my life. September 11th just happened in New York City. Like There were a lot of things where I found myself just questioning. And this is, the, this is the time where I'm applying to colleges and I'm trying to figure out what I want to do with the rest of my life, where I want to go spend the next four years. And in my mind, I always had it that I wanted to play college basketball for a school in the Big East. Growing up, man, I, I didn't think I could be happier than playing for John Thompson at Georgetown. They had the coolest logo, the best uniforms. Allen Iverson was playing there. I got a chance to see him against Felipe Lopez and St. John's at the Big East tournament in Madison Square Garden. And I thought, you know, this is the same arena where my dad watches the Knicks lose to the Bulls every <laughs> Sunday on NBC. And New York fans. Yeah, God, man, my, my poor dad. He's been, he's been a Knicks fan for as long as I can remember, and they, they just never bring him any joy. Um, but, yeah, man, you know, it, it's like growing up, that was kind of what I aspired to be. And then as I got older and I and – I, thought that it could become a reality, I understood that, you know, it does, things don't always work out the way you want them to. And if I didn't go play at a Big East school, I had to go to college for an education. And for me, the, the my sights were set on the best academic schools in the country, which, you know, are the Ivy League schools. So I applied to Harvard, I applied to Yale, I applied to Princeton, and, and was thinking that if the basketball thing doesn't work out, big time basketball, then I would have a fallback plan and get a really good education and go from there. So what I quickly learned in the summer between um, my junior and senior year was that the recruiting process to play college basketball starts way before I was on anybody's radar. And I'm sitting there as a high school senior now with no interest from any of the big East schools. Mm. And it's a, it's a blow to your confidence, you know, but (laughs) sure. Sure. I'm sitting here and I'm saying, okay, if, if, if I can't go to Georgetown and I can't go to Providence and I can't go to Seton Hall and I can't go to Villanova because the basketball coaches won't recruit me, then I'll just go get a good education at an Ivy League school and call it a day. So now I'm applying to all the Ivy League schools, Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Columbia, Ooh. Cornell, you know, and, and I'm getting rejected from all these schools. So now suddenly I'm not a good enough basketball player and I'm not smart enough all at once. And it's it's a blow to your confidence, man. I don't think anybody that knows me now would say, "Oh yeah, he's he 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 lacks self confidence." Because you have to exude a certain sense of self confidence to understand that, you, as a competitor, every day in your life, you have to feel like you're better than whoever you're competing against. It doesn't work any other way. Oh yes. <laughs> so yeah, you, no way, no other way. No possible. other way. Yeah, you can't go into a game thinking, oh, he's better he's than better me. Than me. It's never yeah. gonna happen. I don't you, care you, if you're, I don't care where you at. Anybody, man. I, I, I'm the best. If LeBron James came and wanted to play me one on one, I would <laughs> tell him that he is going down. MJ, I'm the goat. Let's go. Any, <laughs> anytime, any, anywhere. So, yeah, man. You you definitely learn really quickly that 
you are not you're not as smart as you think you are and you're not as good at basketball as you think you are. And at 17 years old, that's tough to handle. So it was kind of in that moment, as, as far back as I can remember that, I learned that it had to be more about balance. And for me, what that meant was that if I don't go to an Ivy League school or I don't go play big time division one basketball, I need to figure out a way to be as effective as I can wherever I end up. And that stuck with me for as long as I've been living since since I learned that lesson. And I ended up at New York University, which looking back was probably the best thing that ever happened to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up playing Division three college basketball, but I had a chance to, to play more and I really enjoyed my college experience. And now I, I look around and I'm playing with guys who all went to big time D1 schools or smaller D1 schools, but not too many that went to D3 schools. And I'm saying, you know, we, we, we took a different path, but we've kind of all ended up in the same place. And for yeah. me, it's uh, it, it really taught me that it's not as much about like like uh, attaining your necessary like the goals that you had set out, but it's more about understanding that it's on you to to enjoy and to be as efficient and to work as smart and as hard in a certain thing to get the most out of it. And for me, that's kind of what I feel like sets me apart from the rest of the crowd. And that's what helps me to live my life on the outside. I can believe it. Um, yeah, because a lot of guys, especially high school players, you know, everybody wants to play division one, you know, and you think about guys that play division three or division two, like, you know, they don't, their lead is trash. That's yeah, the business how it is. Exactly. Like, who did you play? Right. You know, but, you know, it's crazy, you know, that we're, we be overseas and you're playing as, you're playing on the side of the guy that played a Division three, and he is probably better than you. <laughs> <laughs> and, it's, yeah. and, it's, and this is like, don't, it is for a lesson to be learned. It's like, no matter how you get there, you know, you know, everybody's route is different, but. We all go in the same spot, you know, same place. If that if that's your dream, is you have a dream to play professional basketball, then you can get there. But anyway, you Juco, can get there, definitely. D two, whatever. Exactly. Don't, don't set yourself. Don't look so high, like oh, I have to play Division one, and right. you know, you don't get there, and you now your dreams are sad. I know, you know, you're living proof of that. Exactly. So you know, like, you know, people can learn from you. You know, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm learning from you. That's it, man. Try my best. Facts. Facts. <laughs> All right, moving along, man, uh, uh, to part three, uh, which is called Take a Charge. And, you know, before we uh, go into this part, you know, the segment, you know, um, we were talking um, in the last episode about, you know, me dunking on more people than you. You know, I think I do got more bodies. Here's though. the thing, man. Ten years in the game, I've been catching bodies for a long time. <sighs> uh, maybe. <laughs> man, maybe. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, but, yeah. It's crazy. The thing is, y'all, um, he had sent me a YouTube clip like two two days after we uh, oh, yeah. posted the podcast. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, yo, what is this dude sending me? So I, I, I look at the YouTube clip. It's a guy with my friends that sent me to my bro. So I look, check it out, check whatever. It out. And it's him dunking on somebody so bad. And he messed up when he tried to take the ball out after being dunked on. I'm like, come on, dude. Don't do this. Not to yourself. Mm. Like, have more respect for yourself. Yeah. Insult you are, to injury. <laughs> you already got dunked on. And then, like, as he takes the ball out, he throws it 
to the other team's point guard, yeah. which is Jason's team, basically. Yep. And I'm like, yo, like I'm looking at the video and I'm like, I start thinking back to my days. I'm like, I never done on somebody that bad where he just did something like that. That's so. the thing, man. It's, it's not necessarily about the, the, the photo or the how the dunk looked it was about how that dunk made him feel and when when you get dunked on you're already embarrassed man you're, you're hurting inside but to add the insult to the injury to uh to take the ball out and just throw it back to the other team as if like here i'm not thinking straight so just take the ball again and then the fact that my my teammates scored right away it was just definitely adding insult to injury in that moment yeah that 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 video clip is like very bad, bro. Like you don't even like it's all right. It's like you said, it's one thing to get dunked on, but it's like to do that after. Yeah, is the worst. And you know, in life, in life is all about sacrifices, you know. But in this case, my man should check this out. Report. He should have known that. Yeah, you can jump a little bit. Yeah. And so you got to know when to take a charge and when to move the hell out the way. That's it. <laughs> so yeah, but you know. Getting back on track, you know, when we say taking the charge, you know, it's like the biggest sacrifice that a player can make for his team, you know, to get the extra possession or, you know, it could be a big stop, you know, to win a game. And um, sacrifices all around, you know, especially in life, you know, so many sacrifices that you have to make, that family members have to make that, you know, to get you in the position that you need to be to be successful. Right. And, you know, I'm I'm interested in wanting to know what sacrifice you made or the sacrifice people made for you in your life? Well, sacrifices to me are not always something that you have to look back and say, I suffered so much through this to get to this. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been in a position where I feel like I've had things work out the way I wanted to without having to make like a major sacrifice that you look back and say I, I had to take so much time or, or put so much energy into doing something that I didn't necessarily want to do to get something or a reward from that so to me that's that's too linear a definition of sacrifice so when I think of sacrifice I have to think of sacrificing good to get great and what I mean in that is that there have been opportunities in my life that I really feel would have turned out good had I been able to do them or chose to do them. Mm -hmm. But I look back and I think that in order to sacrifice for something great, you have to oftentimes give up something good. And the example that I turn to is not necessarily something that I had to do. I mean, I could look at it that way if I wanted to be a little bit more selfish about it. But it was the fact that my dad, who, when we moved from New York City to the suburbs, which is, it was about an hour drive north of where I lived at the mm -hmm. time. So we, we got a house up there. We were moving out of New York City. At this time, I'm in ninth grade, so 14 years old. And I'm starting a new school, new set of friends. Everything is new. Um, and we're living in the Bronx at this point, New York City. And my dad is working in Manhattan or Brooklyn or he kind of bounced around a little bit. I had to call on different stores in different parts of New York City. So what my dad did was he would wake my brother and I up, crack a dawn, 530 in the morning. We'd brush our teeth, eat our breakfast, get in the car. We would drive an hour north to where our school was at that we were going to start once we moved into this house 
but our house wasn't ready at this point. So we're still living in the city, driving an hour north to school. (laughs) My dad would then wait in the parking lot for my brother's school to start another hour. Then he would drive back down into the city and go to work. What a dad. (laughs) It doesn't stop there. (laughs) After school was over and after work was over, my dad would drive back an hour north to pick us up and then back an hour to the city for us to go to sleep. Now, the good thing, I mean, the good thing about this is that it was against rush hour. So he didn't have to sit in traffic every yeah. way. You know, he was just driving the hour north, driving the hour back. Especially to the city. in New York. Oh, my goodness. I, 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 I don't know how traffic was bad. I don't, I don't think I don't think people up north can drive. Yeah. Listen, when I tried to get my German license, they told me that New York was one of the states that it doesn't transfer over. So apparently you're not the only person that thinks that nobody in New York can drive. And I mean, I'm starting to believe it, (laughs) but, um, yeah, it was just, it was just crazy. The fact that my dad would, would sacrifice that much time and put that much like effort, money, resources, everything into giving his kids a better education. And for me, I I vividly remember the waking up, the not being able to play JV football my freshman year because I couldn't hang out after school because we had to get back all the way to the city. Um, my guidance counselor in high school reminded me of this on my college or my high school graduation about, you know, just thank the people that have kind of got you here and don't forget that your dad used to drive you an hour to school and wait an hour and pick you back up and all this kind of stuff. Why did throw it in your face? Yeah, I know, right? Damn, Mr. Correction. Damn. Um, but uh, it's the kind of thing where you understand in that moment and, and you know you're 14 years old I don't think you fully grasped it but when I think back about it now that was like the essence of a sacrifice and for me it was you know he'll he'll speak of those moments like it was nothing now but I know kind of w- what it took to provide a better situation for the people that you care about and for me I mean that that was just kind of the standard of being able to sacrifice good, a good situation. You know, we're, we're living in the Bronx. We're not maybe in the best neighborhood, but sacrificing your time and your effort to, to give somebody else, that's not just yourself, but to give other people a chance to have a better life or a better situation. And for me, that was just like as good as it got. Yeah. When you, uh, especially just being, you said, it, you know, being young, you don't really grasp that what your parents are doing for you at that time, at that moment. And then, you know, once you get older and you start understanding, understanding things and you just look back and you be like, wow, like they really did all that. And then for me, I start thinking, I'm like, would I do that for my kids? Uh, driving an hour to is the thing, man. I don't. I won't even want to change my kids' diapers. I don't. Even, I don't have no kids, but it's hard for me to change a diaper. To think about driving an hour to bring them to school and then driving an hour to go to work and then an hour to come back and get them. That to me is crazy. But they do it, man. They they do it for that for their kids, the people that they love, and and for me, that's just the ultimate sacrifice. And yeah, it's, it's it's something that I am forever grateful for him doing. For sure, we'll get there. You know. And then we'll we'll understand that love at, and some, point. at some point. At some point, but yeah. uh, not yet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> forget that. Uh-uh. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, moving along. Um, part four, which we call turnover. And you know, when you think about turnovers in in basketball, you know, um, 
it's basically about what the defense tries to get the offense to do, you know, force the offense to turn the ball over to get the possession. And obviously what the offense tries to prevent from doing, turning the ball over, you know, because obviously you don't hear your coach mouth in a way about turnovers. Yeah. Oh, we had 20 turnovers today, guys. We can't win games like that. What, 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 duh, coach? <laughs> we know. <laughs> but, you know, you know, one of the biggest, you know, one of the biggest turnovers in basketball is traveling. And, um, as you talked in the last podcast, you was talking about how kids, you know, pretty much every time they play, they probably travel to basketball, travel, you know, playing basketball, you know, especially growing up, understanding the game, learning the game, you know, you know, it just happens. You know, you can pick the ball up and you're going to run. You exactly. know, think, they think it's football, but it's not. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> but, you know, you know, looking back at it, you know, looking, looking even today's game, you know, with the NBA, you know, how traveling just happens all the time and it never gets called. Never gets called. I'm sitting there thinking, like, dang, LeBron can take four steps. Russell Westbrook can walk in the inbounds eight <laughs> steps. And the only reason they call it is because the crowd and, starts going the, you know, everybody yeah, like, yeah. yo, come on, you travel. At a certain point, you have to call it, you know. <laughs> so, you know, I'm like, yo, we need to, uh, since we play overseas, we need to actually talk to these overseas refs. Like, hey, man, NBA taking, like, four steps. I know. Why can't we? But you know the thing about it, though, the crazy thing about it, if you're American and 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 you play overseas basketball, like you can not travel and they call travel. Oh, immediately they think every American <laughs> travels on every play. So, like, right, come yeah, on, man, yeah. that joke is crazy. Especially your first year, no, oh, worse. You, you you have to spend an ample amount of time in practice working on how to not travel, just unlearning everything you learned in just, college basketball in America. Oh it's a completely different. It's just terrible. <laughs> Bring 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 back my step from America. <laughs> that strong side dribble, God. Oh man, anyway, man. But on life on the outside podcast, you know, when we when we say travel, we, we're basically focused more on traveling, literally. You know, the, the actually going places, seeing places. You know, and um, I feel like you know you can't say you say say you live your life on the outside if you know you just stick to the norms, you know, just stay where you're at. You know, you have to see, you have to see more than just what you, what you're used to. And, you know, obviously you played overseas and you've been, you've been traveling, you travel to a lot of places and obviously these places have an impact on you, you know, whether you've been there or, you know, you've seen it online or whatever, you know, in these places that you probably want to go to, you know, but, you know, tell us some of the places that you've traveled to or want to go to that, you know, either impact or, you know, might change your perspective perspective on things well definitely man i think that my baseline for traveling is a little bit different than most because i grew up in new york city like i said and you know thinking back to to my childhood where i was um in a predominantly jewish summer camp and i went to school with kids who were korean or japanese as well as puerto rican and mexican i played baseball in a little league where there were seven or eight Italian kids in my in my league I went I had a neighbor who was from Jamaica and another neighbor from the West Indies I had um, you know my cousins lived in the Dominican projects and it was just like everywhere I went there were so many different types of people but what happened was when I left New York City I really started to appreciate everything that went on in New York City. So, you know, I, I have Jewish friends that I went to summer camp with. But then when I'm in Israel around the predominantly Jewish people, I learned so much more about 
their religion and and how they live their life. Um, when I went to school with one of my best friends in third, fourth, fifth grade, was a kid from Japan. I don't know if he was actually from Japan, but he was from the Bronx. But he said he was Japanese. Whoa, 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 whoa. You know? time out, time out, time out. From the Bronx and said he was in Japan. <laughs> He's he was of Japanese heritage, but he was living in the Bronx. Y'all be lying in New York now? <laughs> never, man. Never. <laughs> I'm just the real deal, always in New York. Real deal, Holyfield. Okay. So, um, so yeah, you know. But then I'm I'm in Japan in 2010 playing in this benefit tournament for tsunami victims, and right. I'm, I'm in a culture that's just so different than I'm used to. Even the the Japanese people that I knew that lived in New York, it was it was just different. The same with um, you know, whether I it's I'm in Jamaica for a, a vacation, it's different than the Jamaican people that I know who live, you know, down the street from me. Yeah. So. Having a chance to know and meet so many different kind of people kind of sparked this interest to want to get out and see the world that or, or the, the culture that molded some of maybe their their ancestors. And I really think that having the ability to travel to so many different places has opened my eyes to just how diverse of a melting pot New York City is and can be. But you don't really get to have that experience or really appreciate how diverse it is in that city until you get out and you see other places that might not be as diverse. Mm -hmm. And so I just think that it's very difficult to say that you can live a life on the outside if you're just stuck around a specific type of person. And even to the fact where New Yorkers are so diverse, they're all, you know, New Yorkers. And so yeah. I don't think that you'll really appreciate how New Yorkerish, a New Yorker is until you get out of New York, you know. And did you just make that word? I just up? made that word up. Yeah, I that word. <laughs> um, it'll be in, in Webster's Dictionary, 2018. But yeah, you can't appreciate it until you get out and see something else. So even in a place as diverse as New York, you're not going to appreciate the fullness of the diversity until you get out and see other things. So um, yeah, it's not necessarily about one place that I travel to that taught me that. It's just having been able to travel around and really understand the difference between like di diversity. And mm -hmm. it, I just think it, it makes you a better, more well-rounded person and to, to grow up in a place and never leave that place. It's really difficult to live a life on the outside. For sure. I'm saying, yeah, it's good, man. Oh yeah. Look at you. Hey, I like it. I like it, man. It's always good to travel and, and 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 learn this. You know, if you didn't if you didn't get the chance to travel, then you probably wouldn't be able to say these things or understand. Probably be actually people wouldn't even know how smart you are. Really, you know? <laughs> that'd be like, it. That'd be they'd the be like, yeah, he's just a regular. He's guy. just a regular guy. He's in New York. Yeah, yeah. Slick, slick talking New York. Whatever, yeah, whatever. Yeah, but York, yeah. Nah, you get <laughs> the education that I got in school pales in comparison to the education I got in real world experience and mm. like literally real Facts. world experience, seeing the Facts. world and learning, you know, I'm sitting on a couch and talking to somebody who lived through world war two and remembers when the wall came down and the first time that they saw or had a banana, the taste of the first time they ch had chewing gum. There's certain things that I took for granted and expected in my everyday life. You know, yeah. I had a, a banana in my lunchbox every day going to school and I chewed gum from the candy store every day. There are, 
Germans who were 70 years old and remember the first time that they had a banana or a piece of gum was when they were 40. And you're sitting here as a 23-year-old hearing this story, and it, it just changes your perspective about things. And for me, it was just like there was so I could have sat in a, a global history class and learned about World War II. And I wouldn't have learned nearly as much as sitting and having a conversation with somebody who lived through it. And I just feel like because of that, because when, when you realize that, it makes you want to go out and experience life. And you, it's hard to do if you're not traveling around to different places. So, For sure. There's so much in this world to learn. We just got to go out there and we just got to go out and be willing to learn it. That's it. That's it. So... It's that time, boom. It yeah, is man. that time, you know. You part know five. That's it. Crunch time. Crunch time. You know, usually when you think about crunch time, it's in the last two to four minutes of a game, you know, yep. depending on how the game's going. Yep. You know, coach usually put the if we talking basketball, put five guys on the court that he feels that can get the game to compete to win this game. And Considering that you're one of the star players on the team, you know, you know, you've been a star before, but whatever. You know. You know. Uh, <laughs> Consider that you're a star player on the team. If you had to pick four teammates that had to compete with you to win a game of this game of life that we call, you know, it could range from family members, role models, maybe a guy you stayed in an apartment with for four months, <laughs> Kelvin Martin, but. Currently staying in an apartment of, okay. <laughs> you are here again. <laughs> But uh, but seriously, man, you know, who would those four people be? All right, man. Well, first and foremost, I have to say that my father would, would be number one. Mm. He's the person that I feel like I learned the most from. He's the one that encouraged me to get outside of my comfort zone. And he's the one that instilled this competitive drive. He's the one that I credit my ability to play basketball at a high level. He's the one that I credit um, with my ability to not necessarily be a people person, but just to communicate with, with people and find common interest and, and just have like a lighthearted, fun conversation with. He is just the guy who I look up to in that sense. Um, I talked a little bit about the sacrifices he's made for his family, and I really respect that and aspire to be as good of a dad, if not a better one, when the opportunity comes for me to be a father. And I got some big shoes to fill, but I mean, mm -hmm. I got some big feet too. So um, <laughs> it works out, man. Uh, so yeah, dad, dad has to be on the list. Number one, number two, man, one of my oldest friends as far back as I can remember, um, guy I went to college with Mike DeCorso. He is lucky lefty. He's, he's just the guy who, you know, you, He's, he's the kind of guy that you have a conversation with and your day is better because you talk to him. Mm. And it doesn't always have to be because he's just in a chipper, good mood, fun, loving life kind of guy. But he is also the kind of person who will challenge you to be mm -hmm. a better person. And to me, you need to keep people like that around you. When, when you are messing up or when you are doing things that are not beneficial to either your mood or your life or whatever. Mike's the first person to call you out on it. And he's just like, keeps you sharp. He, yeah. He keeps you sharp. And to, to me, that's a, that's a quality that you have to have in someone that you confide in someone that you turn to in your darkest moments and your yeah. best moments. And he's been there to share really fun, great moments with. And he's also been the person who you turn to when things are not necessarily going your way and you're dealing with a struggle and, and he'll, 
he'll tell you what not necessarily what you need to hear. I mean, not necessarily what you want to hear, but he'll tell you what you need to hear. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's just a quality that not a lot of people possess. And, and he's one of the people that I keep in my circle that definitely possesses that quality. <laughs> <laughs> so he's number two, man. He's a pretty good shooter, too. So we'll put him at the two at the okay. two guard. Yeah. Okay. Lucky lefty, bro. I'm telling you, man. Left hand is the best. Uh, the best. You're talking to one. Listen, man. You're talking to one. In terms of shooters, some of the best shooters I know are lefties. So I can't even, I can't even uh, fight that one. Oh, my so. God. Um, yeah, dad, Mike, uh, Ben Jacobson for sure has to be on that list. He Mm -hmm. is a guy who I played six professional basketball seasons with. He has been through the fire with me. You know, I I think that when I look back on my life and hopefully I live a a long, great, fun, blessed life, but even if life ended tomorrow, man, I, I could look back on the years that I played basketball with Ben as just some of the best times I've ever had. And it's rare that you get to experience such a great moment of your life. And by moment, I mean a six year stint, (laughs) (laughs) but to have, to share that with somebody that you consider your best friend is just so rare. And he's the person that I think can, can relate to so many issues that I have when, um, you know, everyday life things pop up because we have so much in common. We've been through so much together that he understands and can you know react to whatever I'm dealing with in in a way where it can relate to me personally and it's just he he gives some of the best advice unlike Mike who who will challenge you and Mike actually played one professional basketball season in Ireland we won't get into that that doesn't count that doesn't count um (laughs) but you know going through some of the struggles of learning about how the business worked and, and dealing with getting cut from a team, changing teams mid-season, dealing with, you know, a coach who's frustrating you, dealing with a management who um, is not paying on time. Everything that you can deal with in the game of basketball overseas, Ben has been through. And so if I'm going through something that he is not necessarily here for, he's the first person that I would talk to about it because we've just had this bond through basketball that to me is just, is unbreakable. So Greg Boone, dad is on the list. Mike is on the list. Ben is on the list. And then I can't have any team in my life without my younger brother. He has been the motivating factor as to why I work on my game. And that's, you know, working hard and working smart like we talked about. He is the person. He's like my checks and balances. He's the one who will stay up late with me and work hard if we want. He's the one who will, you know, let me brainstorm about different ideas that I have. He's the first person I go to with any question about life. He's the first person I go to with any, um, you know, qualm, any, you know, fight I get into with girlfriend, parent, whatever's going on in my life. He's the first person I turn to. So, um, I can't say anything more about the importance of the role that he plays in my life. So if I'm, if I'm running down the list, I got father, brother, two best friends and honestly man I, I don't think that there are any there are any other choices for that for that starting or that crunch time five because those would be the people that I would want out there with me in that moment for sure yeah <clears throat> if I could have those four man I might I might I might trade you that's it man that's it. Hey, <laughs> nah, man, they're, I love they're my four, but uh no nah, no seriously though man um people that you know I look forward. If I could have a chance to meet, I would definitely would love to meet them. Definitely, definitely. And but yeah, with that four there and you including, 
Yeah, anything's possible. That's I it, believe man. that. That's it, man. You know, I've seen you work, so I know what it is. <laughs> you know what it is. But yeah, man, that will wrap this episode up. Oh, you man. know, and it's a wrap. Yeah. So, uh, you know what? Before we go, you know, where where can people find you on social media? Social media, man. Well, here's the thing. Um, I am going to be a little bit more active on social media now because my season is over. So um, if you want to see how I'm living my life on the outside, come check me on Instagram. I'm probably the most active on that one. My handle is BlackHercules21. Same for Twitter, Tumblr, YouTube, whatever. If you put in BlackHercules21, I'm going to pop up. So whatever you want to follow me on, I have them all. Facebook to Tumblr. I got everything you want. Black Hercules 21. Hit me up. Find me there. Yes, sir. And um, if you want to follow me, you can follow me on Instagram at Kelvin Martin. On Twitter at KM underscore one, the word. And on Facebook, just Kelvin Martin. And um, if you want to follow our us on our podcast, on IG, you can follow, you can type in L-O-T-O podcast. On Twitter, L-O-T-O underscore podcast. And on Facebook, just L-O-T-O, and it should pop up. And, um, yes, before we go, uh, Boom, could you recite the podcast slogan to the people, you know? Tell us your name and tell them that you live your life on the outside for me. That I can do. My name is Jason Boone, and I live my life on the outside. (laughs) Yes, sir. That'll do it. We out.